You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Pick'em Show. I'm your host, Nick Scheist. we got a bunch of teams on bye weeks heading into week seven here. Bengals, Cowboys, Titans, Jets, Panthers, and Texans. But before we get to the picks, as we always do, we're going to take a look back at the Thursday night football game that saw the Jacksonville Jaguars improve to 5-2, and two, on the road, beating the Saints 31 to 24. Da-na-na-na-na. It's the Pick'em Show, and we're gonna try and get some games right this week. What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing good. Hope you're excited for another week of NFL football action. Last week was kind of fishy, but I went 11 and 4 last week. Finally won the week in our pool. I got a game back on everybody, uh, but it was actually Ridley who went 12 and 3, who won the week in our house. I actually chose to go see Killers of the Flower Moon instead of watching Thursday Night Football. And I forgot to actually get my pick in, but it is what it is. So I'm zero and zero this week. I only really got to see the end of the Thursday night game, but that was kind of fishy too. So let's get to it. After review, the results of the play is first and 15. That's right. We had the Jaguars uh, going into New Orleans to play the Saints. And, you know, the Jags had just gotten off their two-week stint in London. They had come back home and beaten the Colts. The Saints had lost a game that they probably should have or at least could have won against, I think, Houston the week before. So the Saints underachieving as they have a tendency to do, and I feel like they probably will the rest of the season. But, you know, they were driving down the field to tie the game, and they actually got down to the red zone and they found a play to Foster Moreau, their tight end, and he dropped the ball in the back of the end zone. I mean, I'm pretty sure they brought Jimmy Graham in. I don't know if he's really playing for them. I haven't seen him much since the preseason, but it seems like that's a situation where you'd probably want Jimmy Graham because after that drop on the next play, it's fourth down, the game's on the line, and they run uh, like a fade route to Chris Olave. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a good player, but he's not a one-on-one jump ball kind of receiver. He's a really good route runner, good hands for the most part, good speed, uh, really good receiver. I like him a lot. But in that situation, if you're going to run that play to anybody, you should probably go back to Moreau. And I feel like just Carr was in a bad mood in this game. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and 
he said that uh, Moreau dropped the ball on purpose because Carr was being a dick out there. And of course, like, you know, I don't I don't know that this is true, but it, it's funny to think of it in that light. But, you know, they got themselves in a position to win because the Saints are not a bad team exactly, but they're not a good team. I don't think Dennis Allen's a particularly good offensive coach. So if they can't run the ball, they struggle. It's like they get Alvin Kamara back. He has 17 carries for 62 yards. He has 12 catches for 91 yards. So that's 30 touches in this game for Kamara. That's pretty one-dimensional approach. Uh, when I mean, you look at the total team carries they had. 31, so more than half of those are Kamara, which I, I totally understand that. But he also had a third of their overall uh, receptions. So you really had a Jags defense here that's been getting better. Uh, their pass rush definitely caused problems for an injured Saints offensive line. And, you know, even though they did what they could and they held on and they gave themselves a chance to win... This was still a tough spot for that Saints O-line to deal with a pretty good Jacksonville team. And I know that there was a lot of questions surrounding Trevor Lawrence, whether or not he's going to play in this game. And, you know, initially thinking about this game on probably, what, Tuesday night, when I knew that this was going to be the matchup I was looking at, I figured that the Jags would be favored. Because my brain, the eye test, the the stats, the record, everything shows that the Jags are the better team. So I figured these two teams play each other and the Jags likely come out on top. Then the Trevor Lawrence news comes out and he's questionable to play and the, the money line starts swinging towards the Saints. And by right before kickoff, I mean, I think I looked at it around four o'clock. Still forgot to put a pick in, though, because uh, I was headed out to the movie theater. I forgot why I didn't actually make a decision after doing the research, but nonetheless, I saw the Saints close or at least get close to kickoff as two-point favorites, and I was initially thinking, hey, I can take the Saints as underdogs here because I think they have a decent chance to win. Their defense is solid, so I know they're going to lock down some of the passing game of the Jags, and I mean... That was, like, semi-true. You know, they only gave up 217 yards and a touchdown through the air. Kirk had a good game. Ingram had, you know, solid game. But, like, Ridley was held almost completely in check. So I figured if Lawrence is actually banged up and they're on the road, they've been traveling a lot. So it was going to be a game where where I told a friend of mine that this is a good spot for the Jags to load manage. You know, I think they had won three games in a row, so they were back on top of the AFC South. They're not really threatened in that division too much, if I'm being honest. Like, Tennessee doesn't look good. Houston, while they play well and they're a tough out, they're still a young team with a young quarterback. And then the Colts, they've already beaten the Colts twice this year. So I think they had the division, like, basically in hand already. So I, I figured it was a spot where maybe they take it easy and they don't go out there and execute. They don't try to win. The Saints needed that win more. And ultimately, this could have been a game that was tied. But, I mean, first it was the drop. Not first, but of course there was the drop ball by Moreau. Um, but I think on the same drive or the drive right before that, I don't know, somewhere around three minutes left in the game, there was a play where the Saints had the ball. 
and I think it was Josh Allen on the D-line for Jacksonville that got the pressure on Carr, forced him out of the pocket. He's rolling right, and as he's rolling right, he's got Shahid coming across the field with him, and he cuts up field, and this is an opportunity for touchdown. If, if Carr hits this throw, you know, Shahid's so fast, he'll take it the rest of the way. But Carr's rolling to his right, and he throws this ball into the dirt uh, well short of even the defender who's trailing on the play. And then as he goes to the sideline, he's grabbing his groin, which it looked like he hurt earlier in the game. And it, it brings up a weird question with Carr, because, like, what did they bring him in here to do? Like, he's basically Andy Dalton at this point. And Andy Dalton was probably cheaper. You got Jameis Winston, who at least likes to take some shots downfield. And I know Carr, I saw him go down at some point in the game when I was uh, catching up on fast forward. And I saw he went down and looked like he got hit in the balls or something. But his groin was bothering him. And he's already dealing with the shoulder injury. So you've got this quarterback who's really banged up, but is still out there playing because... I assume that he believes that he's giving his team the best chance to win and that, you know, if he's available, the coaches believe that he's giving them the best chance to win. But, you know, what I've seen from him so far this season is not particularly strong. I don't look at what he's doing for the Saints as a significant upgrade for them at the quarterback position. And I, you know, maybe I need to dive into the numbers a little bit more and take a look. But I don't know. It just doesn't feel like he's the answer for the Saints. They got a solid defense. They got a good run game. They got a bunch of receiving weapons. Uh, but when I think Olave, you know, barely touched the ball for a decent portion of this game, you, you got to start asking questions of, you know, what what is Carr bringing to the table that some other quarterback isn't bringing to the table? And it seems like this was Jameis Winston's, you know, team to lose at one point, but I mean, Carr was 33 of 55 in this game, and they also ran the ball 31 times. So that's crazy to think that, like, they're still throwing the ball that much. You look at Jacksonville on the other side, they had 26 rushes, uh, 30 passes. So they ran less total plays, but they had more points. Like, that's efficiency, and so I think that's really the the name of the game when it comes to what's going on with the Saints is like they don't seem like they're a super efficient offense right now and if they're going to get into the red zone they're going to drop passes they're going to run fades to you know one of their small receivers rather than bring out somebody over six feet tall like if you're going to run that route to anybody run it to Michael Thomas like that's what he's there for run it to Foster Moreau I mean even Taysom Hill's like a big physical guy like he can go fight for that ball I don't know like just that particular throw to Olave on fourth down it seemed like they rushed through it really quickly, too. So there was the drop, and then they get into their next play almost right away. And, uh, yeah, I mean, incomplete. It was There was no chance on that ball. So, I don't know. Saints got, Saints got a long road ahead of them. I know I have some friends as well who are big on, like, gambling football, and they pick the Saints to win the South, but... I don't think so. It's not. It's not looking good for them because uh, the Bucks are already better than them with Baker Mayfield, and they have the better defense. So, and they have the win over the Saints head to head. So you, they got that going for them too. And uh, you've got an upstart Falcons team that's pretty good now as well. Uh, so the Saints, I, they're going to struggle. I 
I don't think they win the division unless something drastic happens here for them. Uh, maybe Carr gets fully healthy and all of a sudden, like, they look like a much better version of the this team than they are right now. But tough, tough spot for them. And Jacksonville's a good team. Jacksonville came in there kind of hobbled. They had some O-line injuries of their own. Obviously, Lawrence was a little banged up. But they did what they were supposed to do, and uh, they were efficient, you know. ATN didn't have a great game, but he had his two touchdowns. Lawrence ran the ball enough to really, like, be effective and to, to keep the chains moving. Kirk had a good day. Ingram, like I said, Agnew. Surprising that Agnew's up there, but the Saints have a good pass defense, so I'm sure they look at what Calvin Ridley's done. They spend some time doubling him, bracketing him, making sure that he's not the guy killing them. And uh, Lawrence still got it done. So, eh, that's enough about that game. It was kind of a foregone conclusion. I was going to pick whichever team was the underdog in that game, and so I would have picked Jacksonville had I gotten the opportunity knowing that they were the underdog, but didn't didn't quite get to the picks. So, anyway, let's move on to what's on deck for this week in football. Two minutes to win it. And, of course, this is the segment of the show where we put two minutes on the clock and I run through the matchup as fast as I can, but as effectively as I can as well. You're probably hearing me adjusting the microphone there, so my apologies for that. First game up we have on deck is going to be the Raiders and the Bears. So let's start that clock. You know, the Bears are interesting because I think they clearly have talent. They just don't know how to win. They've had a lot of coaching uh, turnover. Fields is out in this game. Guard Nate Davis is out. Terrell Smith is out, Eddie Jackson's out, Jaquan Brisker, the other safety, he's questionable. And then you got Jimmy G, he's out. Uh, then you got Jacorian Bennett is out, Nate Hobbs out. So secondary guys, Roger Teamer on IR. So both of these teams banged up. I'm not sure why the Bears are favored in this matchup, uh, at least according to the ESPN matchup predictor, 60 to 38.8%, sorry, 60.9 for the Bears. But Vegas is favored by two and a half on the road. Uh, it's going to be a little chilly out there, so maybe that's rough for Vegas. But in terms of backup quarterbacks here, I mean, I think you get Hoyer for the Raiders, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So if that's your backup, at least you have a guy who like understands football, who's won some games, who is a very like serviceable starting quarterback at his, uh, you know, in his moments. But you also got a much healthier uh, Raiders defense here. And as long as you have Max Crosby, that's kind of going to be, you know, a big factor here, especially when the quarterback on the other side of the field is not going to be quite as mobile as a Justin Fields and you know I think that's mostly okay because Tyson Bagnett uh, played pretty well but you don't want to get down to Nathan Peterman I can't believe he's still in the freaking league but Dante Foreman's going to play well for them uh, the the O-line injuries are going to be a problem so I'll take Vegas uh, by two and a half I think is fine over under a 41 with the backup quarterbacks I think it's reasonable to take the under here but but yeah let's take the under so Raiders by two and a half under 41 and up next we get the Cleveland Browns 
coming off their big win over the 49ers. They're 3-2 on the road where they're 0-1, taking on the Colts, who are 3-3, 1 1-2 at home, coming off their loss in Jacksonville, their yearly loss in Jacksonville for the last decade. Um, 60% favorites again for Cleveland, 60 well, 59.9%, to 39.8. This is a three and a half Cleveland spread over under 41. You're gonna get Deshaun Watson back for this game. I have no idea who's actually gonna quarterback uh, the Colts for this game because it seems like it's a different guy every week. Garner Minshew is in there, slotted in, but I think Minshew Magic sort of ran out you got Ellinger as second string, too. Anthony Richardson's on IR. Uh, their defense looks okay. They've got Pay, DeForest Buckner, uh, Shaq Leonard's back there, Ebukam. So they look like they're pretty okay on the defensive side of the ball. I think their defense should be the thing that they hang their hat on. But when, you know, you're looking at this matchup, they're playing Cleveland. And uh, Cleveland's definitely got the better defense here between the two it doesn't mean that they're gonna lock everything down i'm sure they're riding high after that niners game they think they're maybe uh better than they were but they're still dealing with jack conklin on ir they're they're very thin uh along the offensive line so any injury could be a huge problem for them because you know michael dunn's on ir drew forbes out as I said, Conklin, Dawson Deaton also out. So they're really only running with, let's see, one, two, three. They've got, what, eight O-linemen to fill five spots. So an injury here, injury there could be huge along that offensive line. You got Deshaun Watson, questionable, but should be back. Um, Taki Taki is out for this game. I don't know. I just got to think Cleveland is the better team here. Uh, I think they've shown it, even though... You look at their record, like they beat the Bengals, they lose to the Steelers in a game that they probably should win, that they were winning, um, and then they beat the Titans, lose to a solid Ravens team in the divisional rivalry game uh, where Watson wasn't playing, then they beat the Niners. Uh, so I gotta go Cleveland here, and I think three and a half in this game makes sense to me. Over under of 41, let's say under i don't know why this you know it's indoors no we're gonna go over my gut says under so we're going over on this one uh but cleveland wins by three and a half next up we get my preferred game of the week is the bills are on the road in foxborough to take on the patriots bills are four and two one and one on the road the pats are one and five oh and three at home so that helps uh, typically, Foxborough is a tough place to go into. You know, this rivalry has bad blood, but the Bills have won four in a row over the Patriots. They swept them the last two seasons. They're, I'm sure they don't want Belichick getting that 300th win on them. It's going to be temperate, a little chilly, but not too bad. Buffalo's favored by eight, over under 40. That's tough because the Bills have not looked particularly great. Quentin Morris, who ended up catching the game-winning touchdown, he's out this week. Ed Oliver is out. Cam Lewis is questionable. Damian Harris is on IR. So they brought in uh, Ty Johnson, who they had picked up from the Jets, uh, put him on the practice squad during the offseason. So 
you're looking at still mostly a pretty good Bills offense. It's not missing too many key parts. Justin Shorter's on IR, but that's a good spot for Shakir, who I think should probably be in that position anyway. Yes, Ed Oliver's out, but you got Jordan Phillips, you got Tim Settle, you got Puna Ford, um, trying to all make up for the absence of Daquan Jones. I, th I think they're okay there. Uh, it may be nice to maybe shop another tackle or something like that, but at this point, you know, you got to work with what you got. You got Bale Inspector back at linebacker, so I think you can do a little bit more uh, packaging in terms of what you want to do defensively. They got Christian Benford back. Dane Jackson's out there. So you really have pretty solid depth and guys who have gotten quality reps over the last couple seasons for the Bills uh, playing corner. So the secondary is good. Uh, I think the linebacking core, I mean, you got Dorian Williams, who's played pretty well. AJ Klein's backing him up. You got Medikevich. So you have good depth there as well. And then Von Miller starting to round back into form as well. Greg Rousseau's back. Uh, AJ Epinesa has been having a pretty good season. Leonard Floyd's there. So, like, the Bills, despite the injuries, I think are still pretty good, pretty healthy, pretty ready for this game. And, I mean, there's nothing that makes me happier as a Bills fan than beating up on the Patriots. And if you look at the Patriots, like, Juju's questionable, Hunter Henry questionable. Four of their five offensive line starters are questionable. Uh, their nose tackle, Godshaw, questionable. Uh, Uche is out. Duggar and Jonathan Jones in the secondary, questionable. I mean, this is something that Bill Belichick really does, and I have said that it's gamesmanship. He just lists everybody at questionable. There's a lot of red on this roster, and it could be tank season for the Patriots, but you know what? Bills by eight seems fun. Over under of 40. I'm going to say over. I think the Bills can put up some points on these guys. New England's given up 152 points in six games. Bills have given up 90 but scored 173. So this is a recipe for the Bills to score, I think, yeah, just over 40, maybe 41, like 38 to 3, something like that would be fun. Uh, but go Bills, minus 8, I'll take it. Next up, we're going to the NFC East as the Commanders, who are 3-3 three and three with a 2-1 and one road record, head to the Meadowlands to take on the Giants, who are 1-5 with an 0-2 home record. But the Giants are coming off a game where they were fairly competitive uh, against the Bills, uh, almost beat them. Washington's got nobody on the, the injury chart, so that's not great news. You got Daniel Jones, questionable. Evan Neal, questionable. Dory Jackson, or Dory Jackson, Sorry, questionable. And then Matt Pert, offensive tackle out. Uh, I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to play in this game, but I don't even know if you want him to. I think Tyrod played pretty well last week. Excuse me for yawning. I'm a little sleepy. I got up early for film club. Uh, but anyway, you've got, uh, I think, just a better Washington team overall right now. I like Dabes. I like the Giants. I want to see them do well. I just... In this game, you know, against the Bills, you got Dable and Tyrod and Hodgins. You got a lot of, like, ex-Buffalo Bills players that have extra motivation to go into Buffalo for the first time since leaving the team and to give them a good game and try and beat them. But, you, you know, you don't have all that stuff. This is just a division rivalry game. It's going to be a hard-fought game. I think the Giants, you know, they're competitive most of the time until they end up losing uh 
but this is another 60-40 split kind of game. Washington's favored by three, over-under of 37 and a half. Uh, I don't know. The Washington defense hasn't been great. Both these defenses give up a ton. I'll take the over 37 and a half just because these defenses have not shown to be very good this season. Weather should not play a huge factor unless it gets windy. Uh, but yeah, Commanders by three over 37 and a half. I'll take that. And next we go down to that aforementioned NFC South. We got the 3-3 three three Atlanta Falcons on the road at the 3-2 Bucks, who are 1-2 at home, surprisingly. So both of their losses of the season have come at home. Uh, I, I think the Bucks are the better team right now. Uh, I think a lot of that is because of the defense, but you do have Vita Vea questionable here. It's going to be 78. It looks like it's going to be sunny. The Falcons, while they're a good team and they like to run the football, the Bucks still have a very good rush defense. They're only giving up 83 yards a game, but they are giving up a lot of air yardage, which could be part of the problem. And, you know, I just look at them losing to Detroit. Like, Detroit, I think, is whether or not they're the best team in the NFC right now is not really what I'm looking at. I think they've earned the top spot by having their win uh, or having the same record as the best record in football. Their win over the Chiefs... Uh, and their loss to the Seahawks, I think, is better than anything that Philly or San Francisco has done outside of the Dallas game that the Niners won. But both of their losses last week, the Philly and San Francisco, that is, were ugly. So I think Detroit's the best team in the NFC right now, or at least they have a share of that uh, claim. And you look at Tampa, and they, they beat New Orleans pretty handily. They lost to Philly, who another top dog in the conference but against a team like minnesota and chicago they won so like they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat although minnesota and chicago i think have combined for two wins so this is a little bit stiffer test in that atlanta is a good young up-and-coming team they run the ball well uh they've done a good job of getting ritter involved uh, as a passer as well but he does turn the ball over a pretty good amount and against this team i don't think you want to do that so bucks at home Minus two and a half. I'll take that. But I like over 37 here because, you know, I get that it's a division game. It probably will be hotly contested. But 37, I mean, you could get to 20 to 17 in this game. And, you know, maybe it's just a push. If it was 37 and a half or I don't know, maybe by the point if you're looking to bet it. But I'll take the Bucks at home by two and a half over 37. And speaking of those Lions, we got them on the road at Baltimore. They're 5-1, 3-0 on the road. Baltimore 4-2, 1-1 at home. But when we talk about teams that are fraudulent, I mean, the Ravens strike me as one of those teams because their losses are just bad losses. Like, they, they scored 10 against Pittsburgh. They lose in overtime because they can't close out a game against the Colts. But then they show up and they beat the Bengals, they beat Cleveland, they beat Tennessee. It's tough, you know, it's really weird. But the Lions uh, are kind of a lights-out defense when it comes to especially the run game. They give up less than 65 yards a game. And you know what the Ravens want to do? They want to run the ball. So they're, it's going to be their rushing attack versus the Lions defense. But the Lions, their rushing attack ain't too bad either. I know that uh, Montgomery is a little banged up. 
I don't know if he's going to actually play in this game or not, or if they put him on IR because, you know, uh, he's listed as out. So he's not on IR, but he's not going to play in this one. But Jameer Gibbs, you got Craig Reynolds. Uh, and then receivers-wise, Jamison Williams is here to stretch that defense. You got Josh Reynolds. You got Amon Ross St. Brown. Jonah Jackson's out along the offensive line. But again, this just strikes me as the defense. You're going to have to be dealing with Aiden Hutchinson all day. Uh, on that Baltimore offensive line and they're missing Marcus Williams and Kevon Seymour uh, in the secondary as well so against a team that you know you got Goff who's got 11 touchdowns and three picks he's thrown for 1600 yards it's gonna it's gonna be a tough matchup uh, for Baltimore so them being favored by three at home don't like that at all I'll take the Lions to win outright and to cover the three I'll say over 43 in this game because I think you're going to get some point scored here. You know, the Ravens are still tough to deal with as they've shown when they win. You know, they can put up low to mid 20s fairly regularly and then on the other side of the ball, the Lions are typically in the high 20s to 30s uh, average wise. So, I'll go with the Lions to win over 43, uh, and the Lions will obviously cover in that scenario as well. I just don't believe in the Ravens, even when they win and prove me wrong. And up next, we get the Steelers, who we were just talking about in this previous matchup. Three and two on the road, or excuse me, three and two overall, one and one on the road as they head to Los Angeles to play the three and three Rams, who are also one and two at home. And, you know, that's going to be warm, but in the, the coziness of SoFi Stadium, you got the Rams favored by three with an over-under of 44. I'm going to say definitely under 44 in this game. I don't like the Pittsburgh offense really at all. Uh, you know, maybe they find something here and there, but you, they lost Fryermuth, They lost Anthony McFarlane. Um, so I just I got to go with the veteran quarterback and the promising run game. I mean, even with Kyron Williams out, you still have Ronnie Freeman or excuse me. Is it Ronnie or is it Royce? Who is it playing for these Rams right now? Someone that was on the practice squad who's now going to be their guy. Uh, Royce Freeman. Thank you. Not Ronnie. Um, but they got Zach Evans, the rookie. They got Daryl Henderson. They got Miles Gaskin. So they have a lot of veterans that they can plug into the backfield to help them out you got cooper cup back being a problem uh, you got puka got tutu atwell higby's healthy their o-line is healthy and getting better um and you got aaron donald so i'm not going to try to overthink this one too much i just think the rams are the better team overall and i don't like how pittsburgh runs their offense so when they have only scored 80 points over the course of five games, uh, the Rams are at 138 over six games. And Pittsburgh has given up 110 in a game less than the Rams. And the Rams have given up 117. So I think the Rams probably have the better defense here as well. Both of them have like an elite level playmaker on the defensive side. So we'll see. But in LA, I just, I trust Stafford here a lot more than I trust Pickett. Uh, we'll take... Under 44, Rams win by three. Up next, we go to a rivalry that was super hot about, 
don't know, a little less than 10 years ago, maybe right about 10 years ago, as the Arizona Cardinals, who are 1-5, winless on the road, head to Seattle to take on the Seahawks, who are 3-2, and 1-1 one one at home. Seahawks are 80% favorites in this one, favored by 8. That, that seems like a lot in this game, but it seemed like a lot in the Rams game, too, I think, when they were favored by 9, and they won by double digits, so... That's tough. I mean, the Seahawks can definitely score. Uh, DK Metcalf is questionable, so if he's not playing, that's going to make a difference. you got two guys on the O-line questionable. Uh, and then Anthony Hamilton and, excuse me, Jalen Thompson are out for the Cardinals secondary. Buda Baker's questionable. Uh, so a lot of defensive pieces, plus the Connor injury. Uh, and so it's like you're without Connor. Kyler Murray, I think, got activated, but I don't think he's actually going to play in this game. If he does, I'd be surprised, but it'll give give them a better chance. I think he's still listed as out for this one. It's going to be running back by committee. Uh, Imari DiMarcato was a waste of my free agent budget pickup, so I kind of want the Cardinals to not do well because of that, but I can't hold it too personally. It's not his fault. He played well when Connor got hurt, and then it's just like, oh, yeah, the other guy who was our number two is now back. I just don't think the Cardinals are all that good. Baker is he's active off the IR from the hamstring injury, so that definitely helps them. Um, but still officially listed as questionable. Hamstrings are a tricky injury. If they get him back, it helps. Uh, and Kyler being back at practice, maybe that helps them a little bit too. So can they cover eight in a division game on the road where they're winless? I will say... I will say, I will say something eventually, and that is going to be that the Seahawks win this game. For some reason, I think it's going to be close, but I'll still take Seattle to cover the eight. And we'll say over 44 and a half in this one. Jamal Adams is back, El Presidente. Uh... I think. Looks like he's going to play in this game, so that helps the Seahawks for sure. Uh, crowd should be loud as usual. Alright, go Hawks. Up next, we're all going to be subjected to the Packers on the road at the Broncos. Packers are 2-3 and three overall, 1-2 and two on the road. They head to Denver, who's 1-5 overall, winless at home. So that altitude and Home field advantage isn't really doing anything. Russell Wilson has played well this season. It has not translated into wins. And it looks like, you know, you probably are shopping some players here. So if you're Denver, are you even going to risk playing uh, anybody that's valuable to you in the trade market right now? I would say probably not. But, you know, Jerry Judy's got a chip on his shoulder because... Steve Smith called him just another guy. And as talented as Judy is, uh, he's has not been the game breaker that they drafted. Good player. I think maybe, you know, with all the injuries and the coaching changes and everything, it's not been a great spot for him, so you can't put it all on him. But uh, maybe you get him playing with a chip on his shoulder. You got Javante Williams back. Uh, so McLaughlin, who, you know, came in, played well, is not going to be the starter here. Uh, but you're looking about as healthy as you probably could get as Denver. But 
yeah, they're in a bad spot. And I don't think that, uh, you know, the Packers are great either, but they should be slightly better. They're favored by one on the road. I could see that. Um, you know, they still are dealing with a lot of offensive line injuries of their own, which definitely bit them in the ass. You got Aaron Jones questionable. Uh, and then on defense, four questionables and a doubtful. This is a game where the Broncos can win, actually. Uh, you know what? I need an upset pick in here somewhere. And I think this might be the one. Uh, so, I, you know, I, there's a lot of talk going around about the Broncos and how bad they are and this and that, etc., etc. And, you know, they deserve a lot of that shade that's been thrown at them. But in a one-point game, there's obviously not that much confidence in Green Bay. Uh, I'm going to take the Broncos. I'm going to go over 45 and Broncos at plus one and to win outright. They can't lose by a half point, so they got to win or tie. And I still cover, I think. But whatever. Let's ride. Next up, we're going to stick with the AFC West as the two and three LA Chargers, who are one and one on the road, go to Arrowhead and they play the five and one Kansas City Chiefs, two and one at home. Uh... I haven't seen the Chargers figure out what to do with Travis Kelsey yet. He annihilates them every time they play. Uh, Derwin James is going to be questionable on their defense as well. Uh, Aloha Gilman out. Deanne Leonard out. So not the kind of secondary uh, injuries you want going up against a team like the Chiefs. Chiefs definitely have the better defense here. Uh, they run the ball fairly well with uh, Pacheco. Uh, I know Eckler is back, and he's going to definitely help, but I just, I don't know. Herbert, I know that everybody is talking about, you know, he's maybe elite. He definitely has elite talent, but just in this last game that they played against uh, Dallas, I mean, oof, 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 indeed. Herbert's a good player, don't get me wrong. Got all the arm talent in the world, mobile, 6-6. Really not, not a bad player at all, but when it comes down to like sometimes critical decision-making, he is not necessarily the best, and I don't necessarily even know that it's him, but their coach, man, Staley is oof, oof. oof. Him at the helm is probably cost... The Chargers more wins than the net result of him being the coach has been a positive at this point. And I think I don't I don't even necessarily think he's a bad coach. I think he makes critically poor decisions at bad times. So this is a Chargers team that's gone into Arrowhead and won before. Uh, but I'm not buying it this time. I'll take them to cover, though. Chiefs by five. Uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take L.A. to cover that. I think it could be a, a close game, field goal type of game, because the Chargers kind of have to win this. You know, if they fall to two and four and the Chiefs are six and one, like, all right, kiss the division goodbye. Uh, and then your hopes at the playoffs are basically non-existent. Uh, if this game were in L.A., maybe. But over under 47 and a half. I'm going to say under because it's a lot of points. Uh, and, you know, 
the Chargers and I think the Cowboys, their over-under on that game was 51, 52, and they got to, what, 37 combined. So this being a division game, you got a good defense in Kansas City. It's only given up 88 points across six games. Chargers have given up uh, 124 in five games. So, yeah, their, their defense is so bad, I can't trust them here. But I think their offense is good enough where they might be able to make it fun. So... Uh, under 47 and a half chargers cover the five chiefs win at home and then we get the miami dolphins five and one on the season two and one on the road they head to philadelphia to play the five and one eagles who are unbeaten at home on and they're playing on sunday night football uh this is gonna be a fun matchup i know you know jalen hurts is his yardage is fine like his accuracy is fine it's the interceptions and the three of them in the last game really killed him but even if you remove all three of those interceptions he still only got seven touchdowns to four picks on the season so what they've been doing well is running the ball and playing defense because that's what they do and i think here when you sort of even everything out obviously i think miami has a speed advantage i think uh they have a little bit like higher potency offense on the high end but for the most part, like, the, the Eagles are good, and they're not going to play a Jets defense every week. And this Miami defense sure as hell ain't the Jets defense. So they're looking at this Miami team that's given up 156 points in six games. Uh, Eagles have scored 155 in six games, so right about even. But uh, you're looking at a Miami offense that scored 223 in six games. So when they score, they score. Obviously, 70 of that 223. So basically, 30% of their points were one game. But still... It's a really big point differential, and uh, I think the Eagles squeaked out some games against mediocre teams that they should have beaten more convincingly. So this is going to be a fun one, I think. You know, Miami's banged up a little bit, uh, so they're going to have a tough time matching up with A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Goddard. Uh, I see. I see Miami's favored, at least on the. They're favored in the ESPN matchup predictor. This is another 60-40 game. Uh, but the Eagles are favored by three points, over under 51 and a half. Got to say over here because both these teams can score. Who's got the defense to make it a game for them? I got to go with the Eagles here. You know, I think they learned their lesson last week against a really good Jets defense that they can't mess around. Miami lost uh, Devin Kane, who's not going to be playing in this one. So they're going to they're going to miss that home run punch out of the backfield. And if the Eagles, uh, if their defense is as good as they're supposed to be, then they're going to have a chance. I could totally see Miami winning this game, though, to be honest. Uh, but I think against another team that has a good offense and has a way better defense, it should favor the Eagles. They're at home. We'll see. But I'll take the Eagles. Should I take Miami at plus three? Like, this is going to be a field goal kind of game? Uh, yes. I'll hedge my bets. I'll take Miami at plus three, uh, but Philadelphia wins overall, and they go over 51 and a half. And that brings us to Monday Night Football, where uh, the other NFC team that was unbeaten and is no longer unbeaten gets to avenge their loss in Minnesota, or they get to try at least to avenge their loss uh, to Cleveland by going on the road to the Vikings. This is a game where I think Debo is out. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is questionable. I think they're just the better team all around, and plus, no Justin Jefferson. I don't really fear 
Minnesota here too much because best case scenario, like they play well, but they they're missing their big guy uh, and they don't run the ball as well as they should. So got to go San Francisco here. I think all things considered, they probably cover six and a half uh, over under a 44. Let's say, I don't know. My instincts were saying over. So I'm going to go under here, under 44 Niners win by six and a half. We'll see. I think, I mean, they definitely should, but what should happen doesn't always happen. I mean, they, they average more offensive yards per game. They give up a lot fewer offensive yards per game. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Cousins here. It's a big game for Minnesota. But aside from Detroit basically running away with the division at this point, they're, they're still technically alive in the wild card race. And I think of those teams that are like struggling to find their rhythm, Minnesota can get hotter than some of the other ones. Whether or not they do remains to be seen, but uh, I'll stick with the Niners in this one. And because of all the bye weeks, there's only one segment left to get to at this point in the show. Rids Picks. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Ridley actually had one of her magic weeks where she went 12-3. and She would have beat everybody in my league. She beat both me and Kristen here in the house. Uh, and because she abandoned her strategy of only picking home teams, but she didn't get to pick the Thursday night game either. So we start with... She's taking the Bears because she's a little bear. Bears at home over the Raiders. She's going Browns on the road over the Colts. Bills on the road over the Patriots. Good girl. Commanders on the road over the Giants. Falcons on the road over the Bucks. Lions on the road over the Ravens. Pivoting back to the home team, she's going Rams at home over the Steelers. Seahawks at home with the 12s over the Cardinals. She's taking the Packers on the road in Denver over the Broncos. She's going with the Chargers to pull the upset in Kansas City over the Chiefs. She's sticking with the Eags on Sunday night over the Dolphins. And she's taking the 49ers on Monday over the Vikings. And that's how we do it. As you can tell, Kristen is still not here this week. Uh, I hope she rejoins me at some point, but we'll see what happens the rest of the way. There is a lot of season left, but since she's not here, it is my duty to tell you thank you for listening and happy football sunday thank you to everybody who took the time to listen to this episode i do appreciate it and i do believe that word of mouth is still the best way to help so if you liked what you heard then please tell somebody but Otherwise, liking, subscribing, sharing, all that stuff helps too. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com, and you can contact me at nick at thescheiss.com or at Scheiss Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and go Bills.